Now more than ever, you need a source of news you can trust. And you have such a source in WYPR. Members are our most important source of funding, and we need you now more than ever so we can continue to keep you informed amid the pandemic with honest, accurate journalism. You can make a pledge at WYPR.org. If you're a sustaining member, consider an additional gift or increasing your monthly pledge. We could not be here without you, and we thank you so much. Hello, everyone. I'm Theo Hill again. Welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore, a podcast where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addictions and recovery. And we're here to listen and learn together from each other's stories. My guest today is a gentleman that I work with, and his name is Todd. Hey, Todd. How you doing, Theo? Thank you, brother. I'm blessed. Um, me and Todd have a connection uh, on a job that we work together in the evening doing groups, and uh, it's about uh, recovery. And it just so happened that both of us are in recovery, and we both have a story to tell. Todd, can you um, introduce yourself with a little small bio? Sure, sure. Um. You know, like I always tell you, um, the other day sometimes it gets a little overwhelming to um, yes. when people ask you about your story. Because um, when life's good, sometimes you uh, lose sight of what it was like in the depths of addiction. You know, I was thinking about it today on the drive over here. Just, um, you know, grew up with a good family. Um, I don't, not a product of an environment. Um, you know, I believe I was born an addict. You know, I was born with a disease of addiction. But, uh, you know, like a lot of addicts, um, you know, overdoses in and out of ICUs, hospitals, having to learn to walk and talk again from overdoses, in and out of incarceration to where I stand now today is pretty uh, sitting here with you. Um, it's kind of overwhelming sometimes to think about it. Been sober now a little over 13 years. You know, and it was a long, long journey and process. It's still one I go through each day today. Um, but it's amazing, Theo, you know, um, thinking, driving over here, thinking about it like, Driving through Baltimore City, right. um, where I used to cop, right. you know, and it's like um, to be a director at a drug treatment facility, you know, have my own business, be married, have a child, a home, you know, a baby on the way. It's just overwhelming sometimes. You know, you always ask me, where do you get your energy from? And um, like I tell you, the bigger the dream, the harder the grind, you know, and um, I just kind of embrace it and enjoy it each day because I don't forget where I come from. Um, and sometimes those pieces of adversity and hardships are what laid a lay the path for where you where you end up going it's been a long 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 road man um but it's neat to be able to to work at a drug treatment facility you know full-time i do it part-time um to be able to kind of help facilitate people and take those those pieces of adversity and kind of pass it on um and hopefully provide hope to others is um it's really an unbelievable blessing when uh, when did you feel the first urge to use can you remember back that far back you know, um, like I said, I think I was born with right, with the instinct right. to um, the instinct to avoid pain and seek pleasure. Right? Um, I look back as a child, and I can see distinct moments where, even as a very young kid, where that was my instinct. And it was when I discovered substances that I was able to avoid pain and seek pleasure in one scoop. Once I picked up substances, um, it accomplished both of those in, in, in the same breath, and it just um, it just accelerated. Um, I look back a lot now when my addiction really kicked off and um, 
I was in a lot of denial at the time. You know, denial is the ultimate comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you can justify it and tell yourself that um, I got good grades, you know, I got this girl from my parents, you know, my mom thinks I'm doing well, you know, I'm doing, I'm accomplishing these things, and you, you convince yourself that you're a functional addict. When in truth, you're just destroying everything in your path. You just don't see mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, you know, and so that urge, you know, I think started young, um, even in middle school, um, you know, experiment with stuff, even as a 13-year-old kid. Um, but it really accelerated later in, in my early 20s is when it really kicked off. Uh, how does using affect your relationships, uh, personal life and, you know, and business life? destroyed most of them um you know i didn't realize it at the time um because it's such a self-centered disease that uh i felt like you know theo i i look back now and i it's mind-blowing because i really felt like i was the only person suffering right i felt like i'm an addiction i'm suffering i'm the one getting locked up i'm the one overdosing i'm the one in and out of rehabs i'm the one struggling not realizing that everybody was emotionally invested in me was struggling also and hurting and um, it did a lot of damage. I mean, I look back, um, you know, I went over a year without speaking to one of my brothers, um, went almost a year without any um, communication with my mother, you know, and, and I look back on the way my mind was at that time, um, and I was very self-centered and did not understand what I was doing to all of them. I felt like I was the one suffering and they were leaving me when the whole time that just, that wasn't the case at all. So it made a lot of, I made a lot of poor decisions, you know. Right. Um, decide to be involved in you know drug traffic and things like that rather than go to law school um i felt like that was a smart decision you know obviously in hindsight um you know probably wasn't the most intellectual decision to make but um i don't uh like i said man i, I try to not to regret where right, i've been exactly because where i'm at today is a beautiful place so i'm a learning tool uh what led up to you deciding to get clean well um you know I had been in and out of some rehabs, um, never listened to the message, um, felt like I could figure it out on my own, um, and kept falling. And um, actually, the, you know, when I got sober, it wasn't my intentions to get sober. Um, my attorney at the time, um, I had a lawyer at the time that was in recovery, and um, I, I didn't know it at the time, man. We used to go out to eat every Sunday, and um, he's since passed away, but uh, we would go out to eat every Sunday. And I didn't understand what recovery was. I didn't know he was in recovery. I didn't know the entire time he knew exactly what I was. And um, he had uh, told me that I was going to a meeting um, with a detective, and he, he dropped me off at a rehab. And he um, he basically he basically told me that if I didn't stay in complete treatment, that he was going to fire me as a client and, and bill me by the hour for every penny I had paid him. And it was probably about $30,000 at that time. So he gave me 30,000 reasons to stay in treatment. And... Um, you know what? It's it's amazing because I just was trying to keep mind of the deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I didn't know that that day one through thirty was going to turn into over thirteen years. Um, but it just was, you know, literally Theo, literally a, a day to time process where I was not um, I was not committed to long term recovery. I was not I was going through the motions, just hanging on one day to the next, to the next, to the next, and eventually just internalized, and um, I started realizing that there was a different way to live. It just happened you know there was no aha moment um that wasn't my story it just it just i started realizing that life could be different it could be better you know like you know though you know i i went to prison sober mm-hmm. um you know i spent years incarcerated i already gotten sober there was consequences to actions i had taken and um it's part of 
part of having to deal with what you've done. Um, but, you know, that was a time where I really started evaluating what I treasured in life and what was important to me. Um, and it's when I realized when the material things were stripped away and family and spirituality and things were left, um, it started changing what I wanted to be, you know, who I wanted to be. Now, what do you do now to keep you from using? You know, I always call it, you know, the, I start off every day, I call it win the war in the morning. Um, yes. It's my theory, man, win the war in the morning. I wake up every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, prayer, meditation, daily reading, personal growth, every single day. I've never stopped that. I have a prayer I use to remind me of what my defects of character are and what mm-hmm. I need to stay diligent on and work on and recognize where I fall short. I meditate every morning. Um, I do daily readings in recovery mm-hmm. every single morning. Um, you know, obviously 12-step fellowships are a big part. Um, I try to stay connected um, to people who understand what I am, who I am, and who I'm trying to become. I don't let a lot of people in my circle anymore, Theo. You know, if you don't have my best interest at heart, you can't be around me. You know, I got a wife and a kid today, and mm-hmm. that's, uh, it's, you're not coming in my inner circle if you're not if you're not invested in what I'm trying to be. It's just, you know, I made those mistakes before, um, you know, where you think you have friends mm-hmm. um, and you find out in hard times that they weren't. Um, and that's all right. Um, but I stay diligent. Theo. I don't let a day go by where I don't I don't recognize the fact and have some acceptance that, you know, I'm an addict in recovery. Um, you know, and that's that's got to be at the forefront. That prayer that you said that you do every morning, mm-hmm. you think you could share that with, with us? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. I start every morning off with um, mm-hmm. asking God to keep me humble, mm-hmm. um, grounded, and appreciative of each moment I have. Help help me seek to understand before being understood. Mm-hmm. And help me practice mindfulness, self-acceptance, tolerance, and forgiveness on a daily basis. And I finish it with asking to keep my wife and daughter safe another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that I struggle with. Um, and so I remind myself of those things that I fall short at. Um, so I'll use that every morning and then throughout the day. Um, if I come across something where I can find myself being pride-driven or I find myself falling short, I use that prayer because mm-hmm. normally there'll be an aspect of it that, that, that grabs my attention, that Todd, you know, I'm a human. I fall short every single day. Um, so it's just something I use to, to, keep me, to keep me centered. How is your life different today? My life's awesome, <laughs> yes, man. I sometimes I just get overwhelmed. I sit out on my deck and I think to myself, "Wow, Todd, like, you know, wow. you're sitting in a prison cell, yes. you, own, you own a house, you know, you're a director mm-hmm. of a treatment facility, you've got a part-time job, you have a family, a kid, a wife, a baby. You have all these um, unbelievable things that didn't seem possible." Yeah, I was telling you. I think mm-hmm. I was saying the other day. You know, the, I've worked 180 consecutive days, man. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a yeah. day off since December, seven days a week, um, and do it with a smile. Not that some days aren't harder, not that some days I don't think right. about that I'm fatigued or I got to work a 15-hour day and am I, am I a little bit tired. Or, But I always sit there for a second in the morning and say, and, and think about, close my eyes, put myself back in that cell, put myself back in the ICU, put myself back in active addiction. And um, I just think to myself, man, you're so blessed. And it's one of the way, ways I get a lot of my energy from. You know, you, you joke with me all the time, you, like energize, you call me Energizer mm-hmm. Bunny, and mm-hmm. people don't realize, you know, um, when I get tired or I am tired or, or maybe I don't feel like praying, maybe I don't feel like going to work, maybe I don't feel like doing these things. Um, you know, I use pain as an asset, man. I, I talked to you about that before, but a lot of people in their lives, man, people in addiction, people in recovery, man, pain is, is, is it hinders them, right? It becomes a liability in their life because they don't know how to utilize it um, as an asset. 
So when I struggle or when I'm having one of those days, um, I put myself back mentally into those places um, that were dark. And I use that as, as a driving force to push through that right. day. And I do it with a smile because I, I, I look at how blessed I am. You know, and how much other people would love to have the opportunities I have. Not that I haven't worked for it. I've worked hard. Yes, sir. But I've been given opportunities also, you know, and taking advantage of them. Um, but it's been hard work. And I just, uh, you know, I realize as, you know, you know, when you when you have drug addiction in your history, you have criminal record in your history, you know, at some point you got to come to reality. You might just have to work harder than the next person. You know, you mm-hmm. may just have to work harder because um, your back's against the wall. And I just, I use that um, as a way to say, you know, when people have given me jobs, there ain't a soul that works in that place that can outwork me. Because I know where I come from. You know, so you give me opportunity, it, it's on. By you working at a treatment facility during the day and in the evening, mm-hmm. what kind of toll does that take on you? you know emotionally it can it can it can wear on you some over the years i've learned um how to separate that sometimes Um, but we're human you know we're human um and so you still you still can you can still find that um where it can it can wear on you some but i also you know i'm also look at it um some days when i get worn like that and think like how grateful I am that I've come this far. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I, I came out of prison. I worked for free. You know, I walked into a drug treatment facility and volunteered because I never wanted to get my foot in the door, you know. And so to start there as a volunteer working for free, to getting my foot in the door, to getting to getting a part-time job there one day a week, to becoming a full-time employee, to, to you know, now, now at a different treatment facility, to progress that far, I, even when I get worn out, I, I close my eyes and think about that. Todd, you walked into a drug treatment facility and said, can I work for free? Mm-hmm. And now you're, you know, um, doing very well. Um, and so I, it's easy to forget that. You know what I mean? It is. It's very easy to forget that. Um, so I, tr- I try to take time to remind myself where, where I've been and not to get uh, satiated, man. You know, humans, we do that, right? We, we, we achieve something, and all of a sudden we stop doing everything we did to get there. Exactly. Um, you know, and that, that can be that can sabotage what you're capable of. And so I try to remind myself. That's why I work so hard, because mm-hmm. I, know I, can, I know I can achieve more. What message would you like to send to the still-suffering addict and, or just anybody that's trying to change their life wow you know i think one of the things that people have to realize you know is that um you got to identify why you know why you want to change why Mm -hmm. you want to accomplish things and then you got to ask yourself is that why greater than the discomfort of the journey right because you can believe that this journey will get uncomfortable you will get sober you know i can tell you the first six months of my sobriety my mother didn't speak to me and not everything, you know, just because you get sober, the seas don't part. Life still shows up, you know. And um, it's can you stay diligent in the course of action, you know, despite adversity. Um, you know, so I think one of the things is, you know, you got to identify why. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got to find something that you can hold on to. Um, you know, and you have to learn to believe in yourself, too, that you can change. And that, you know, um, some of the things we've done, you know, um, some of the things in our stories, they don't define us. It's a part of us, mm-hmm. but it's not my entire entity. You know what I mean? It's not, that doesn't define who I am as a person. Um, I made some bad choices. I've done some bad things. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to lay your head down at night. 
Todd, mm-hmm. I would like you to know that um, your story really has inspired me to push my personal life a little, you know, a little further um, than where I was. Um, you gave me a, a total different insight on on myself and, and with your story. Thank you. I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you. I would like to thank Todd for sharing his story on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. And I want to thank you for listening. I'm Theo Hill. Let's talk again.